Welcome to today's audio podcast, a sermon teaching from Grace Bible Church of Akron. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of GBC and would like to enjoy more resources and weekly updates, we hope you will visit our website at gbcakron.org. Please take a moment to let us know how this ministry is impacting your life by emailing us at info at gbcakron.org. That's I-N-F-O at gbcakron.org. Also, if you would like to support Grace Bible Church, you may do so by visiting gbcakron.org forward slash giving. Thank you for listening and enjoy the podcast. Welcome once again uh, to Grace Bible Church this morning. I have good news. We're at the end of the valley. <laughs> we, are, we are coming out of the valley series. This is the, the last sermon in this series of how to get through the tough stuff. And um, it's, it's been quite a journey. I don't know what it, what it has been like for you, but I have learned so much about the Lord myself and have been reminded of so many things. And you know, when we go into valleys, uh, they're, they're painful, they're uncomfortable, uh, they stretch us in ways that we uh, don't choose to stretch ourselves, and, and all of this happens to, to all of us. No one is exempt from going through loss in life or discomfort or, or pain that's created by circumstances. Valleys can come from anything, from a relationship, from our finances, to uh, the way someone treats us, it could be a crime committed against us. There's just so many different things that, that create valleys in our life, and they all create uh, discomfort. They all create uh, pain and, and loss. The, the challenge with this is that when, when we have pain in life and we go through loss in life, we don't want that to be wasted. Have you ever wasted something? A lot of times I, w- I was thinking about it when we uh, think about waste. Uh, sometimes it's like a wasted opportunity. Uh, you, there, w- there was an opportunity that was there to do something, but we were distracted or, or, or maybe we were selfish or maybe we didn't see the big picture and we wasted that opportunity. Sometimes when we talk about wasting something, we talk about wasting money. You know, we, we have money, we go and purchase something, and we think it's a good purchase, we think we did the right thing, but then only to discover that was a waste of my money. That, that, didn't, that didn't bring what I thought it was going to bring. And probably the thing that, that we waste quite frequently in our lives is time. You know, uh, we, we waste time. We, we, we uh, think we have more of it. That's how we all think about time. But the problem is, is we don't know when it ends. And it's the only resource we have that we can't get more of. I mean, if I waste money, okay, big deal. I can make more money. If, if I waste time, I can't create more time. And so that, that becomes a, a waste in our life. But I think there's something else that if we're not careful, we'll waste it. And that is the pain that we encounter in life. Pain has a purpose. God, God is doing something in our life when we uh, go through these times of, of loss or discomfort or, or just pain. And if we're not careful, we'll waste that. We'll waste that opportunity. And, and I want us to think about that together this morning. Here at Grace Bible Church, we have something that we call the path of discipleship. We talk about it every year. Uh, we, we do a, a, a a sermon series on the path of discipleship. And so on your outline, I think you actually have a little picture 
uh, if you've been at Grace for a while, you've seen this picture. You, you've seen the path of discipleship before. And, and the path, uh, it's created by using the word grace. It creates an acronym. G stands for glorify God. R is relate to one another. A is apply God's word to your life. C is cultivate a ministry. And E is evangelize, spread God's kingdom. And believe it or not, when we go through pain in life, if, if you and I, if we will, if, if we will uh, turn to the Lord, if we will allow Him to speak to us, pain can actually help us get on the path of discipleship. And I want us to see that together this morning. And, and if we're not careful, we'll waste that opportunity. We, we won't let pain serve a good purpose in our life if, if we're not careful. And so I want us to see this as, as we go through this together. I want us to see that there are really five good purposes for pain in our life. The first one is glorify God. Let pain motivate us to rely on Christ. Let pain motivate us to rely on Christ. When something bad happens in life, we can do one of two things. We can draw near to God or not. We can, we can use this discomfort, this challenge, this valley that, that we're going through, we, we can use that to, to come to God or not. In fact, some people will use pain as a reason to blame God. And, and actually run away from him. But pain is actually an opportunity to come to him. Well, I mean, how do we do this? We've talked about it through this series. We, well, we just tell God how we feel. We, we lament. Remember, lament is not something you put in your mouth. It doesn't make your breath better. Lament is is when we come to God in our sadness and our frustration and our confusion and our sorrow and our grief, we come to Him and we tell Him all about it. And when we do that, grief actually becomes an act of worship. And that's what it's intended to be. Grief is not intended to be something that we waste in our life. It's, a, it's an opportunity to worship God if we come to Him in our grief. And we talked about that going through this series. But look at what Paul said in 2 Corinthians. He says, We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced. Pain, the hardship, the discomfort, the valleys they were going through. He says, We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired. That word despair means that they had more doubt than they had hope. You ever felt like that? Listen, when you have more doubt than you have hope, that's a great time to take that grief to God. And just say, that's where I'm at, Lord. I know you're here, I know you exist, but I actually have more doubt right now than I have faith. And by praying that way to God, it becomes an act of worship. You're pulling to Him, not away from Him. And look at what Paul says. But this happened 
that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God. Paul says, listen, we entered into this valley. I understand now why God allowed this valley into my life. So that I might rely on Him. That I might turn to God in my moment of grief, in my moment of confusion or frustration or anger or, or the, the, the feeling that I have that I've lost control in my life, that this has happened. God has allowed this into my life so that I might rely on Him instead of ourselves. And many times the temptation when we enter into a valley is that we want to rely on ourselves to get through it. I'll figure it out. I'll figure out how to make this go away. I'll figure out how to make this better. And we rely on ourselves instead of relying on God, and we waste that opportunity to glorify God in our grief, to come to Him in our sadness. Look at what Paul goes on to say. We relied on God, and what happened? He has delivered us. He he has delivered us. He will deliver us again. On Him we have set our hope that He will continue to deliver us. And that's what happens when we bring our grief to God. He brings us through it. He brings us out of it. Not at the timetable that we want. Okay? It's not, it's not always instantly. It doesn't, it doesn't always happen. It, it's, it's amazing how quickly we can find ourselves in a valley. And, and, you know, God, in His wisdom, in His sovereignty, sometimes takes quite a bit of longer to get us out of it. But He does He does rescue us. And I know many of you sitting right here right now, many of you watching online right now, you're in a valley. You are experiencing pain in your life right now. Confusion, discomfort, angst over over this thing in your life that you you can't make it go away. And you're trying. You're trying to make it go away. You're trying to deal with the discomfort that it's created and the frustration that it's brought into your life. Stop trying. Use this as an opportunity to rely on God. Take your grief to Him. I've asked someone to come this morning, someone who knows about a valley, because in November of 2022, he and his wife lost their son, Paul, to cancer. And I've asked Andy if he would come this morning and if he would just pray for every person here in the room and watching online who's in pain and that they would use that pain, they would use that discomfort to come to the Lord and rely on Him. Would you pray for us, Andy? Lord, You are good. You sent Your only Son to earth to save us. His pain and suffering brought the world closer to you. Let our pain and suffering do the same. When the illusion of control fails us or the sin of this world overcomes us, we'll lie shattered at the bottom of the valley. But let us remember your promise that you will not forsake us, that you will not leave us alone. Let us know that in a valley there's still light, there's still you, and we can move towards you 
And that is the only way through the valley. That is the only way healing starts. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Amy. Appreciate Andy and Julie coming and sharing with us how we make it through a valley. We rely on God, and He rescues us. He rescues us. Don't, don't waste your opportunity to come to the Lord with pain. Turn your grief into an act of worship. Another opportunity that pain can bring us is that pain can help us to relate to one another. In other words, let pain teach us how to love one another. Pain can not only call us to God, but it can call us into one another, this opportunity to to love one another, to serve one another, to encourage one another. Did you know that when a couple adopts a child, that their that the, the, the rate of divorce for an adopting couple is much higher than the rate of divorce for couples who don't adopt. Did you know that? And, and there's all kinds of reasons, there's all kinds of theories as, as to why that happens. But I can tell you that Cherry and I's marriage wasn't given a pass when we adopted Kevin and Wanda V. And there was a time early into the adoption after we brought them home that Cherry and I were at really very different places, more different than we had ever been before. And by God's grace and, 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 and by His mercy, we've made it. Right, honey? We, we made it. Yeah, she woke up to answer that. But, but we've made it. And, and so here's, here's the thing. Um, I, we, were, we were talking a couple of weeks ago, and I, I, I asked her, I said, why do you, what, what did it for you? What, what did it for you that, you know, we were able to make it? And, and so uh, she started talking about the counseling that we went through, because we did. We, we went through counseling, and we had some wonderful people that helped us, gave us a different perspective, and God used that to give us a different perspective on what was going on and what was happening. But then also what, what happened, one thing that, that she brought up uh, that, that helped her, and I'd actually forgotten about this, but there was a, another couple that we uh, met briefly while we were doing counseling. He was a pastor, and, and they had adopted, and you know what? Actually, uh, they ended up getting a divorce. Uh, they, they did make it, and she remembered that, and, and, and she remembered how that, that uh, I, I guess, motivated her, uh, encouraged her to, to do things different, uh, to, you know, to lean on the Lord in, in different kinds of ways. But, you know, as, as, I, as we talked about it, the thing that, that really stood out to me that, that began to happen between Cherry and I when we were going through this difficult time is, is that we stopped... We stopped judging each one, each other's feelings, you know? And, and not only did we stop judging each other's feelings, we stopped trying to change how the other one felt. 
Because can I tell you something? Feelings are just feelings. They change. You know, uh, it's not like the truth. The truth doesn't change. It stays the same. No matter the circumstance, no matter how you feel, no matter what you're going through, the truth is the truth. But feelings are, are like waves in the ocean. They're constantly churning, and sometimes they're high, and sometimes they're low. Sometimes there's no wave at all. It's just a feeling. And we reached a place where, where we stopped doing that. And Cherry and I are closer today than, than we've ever been before. I love her more now than I've ever loved her. I mean, it, it's, and, and it's, I mean, I give God the glory. I give him the credit. But the pain, we made a commitment to each other as, as we were going through the discomfort, as we continue to go through the challenges of our adoption. The pain has become something that we have committed to, that it would be used to draw us together, not pull us apart. And that's what pain can do. But here's what happens in our lives. Many times pain enters our life. We go through a valley, and instead of allowing pain to become something that pulls us together to help us to relate to one another better, the pain becomes something that pushes us apart. And don't waste that opportunity. Look at what Galatians says. Carry each other's burdens. Do you know what a burden is? A burden is painful. It's uncomfortable. It creates confusion and angst. Don't let it tear you apart. Look at what it says. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. What is the law of Christ? To love God first, then to love your neighbor as yourself. So when you see someone hurting, when you see someone uncomfortable, don't judge their feelings. Don't Try to change the way they feel. Love them like you would want to be loved if you felt that way. That's, that's what it means to fulfill the law of Christ. To love the Lord, the God, with all of our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, with all our strength. And then I look at those around me, and I love them like I would want to be loved if I were in their shoes. Romans says it this way, be joyful with those who are joyful, be sad with those who are sad. Isn't that interesting? It doesn't say, it doesn't say bring down the joyful and remind them of how much pain's in the world. And it doesn't say come along beside the sad and remind them to stop having a pity party for themselves. It doesn't say that. It says, be joyful with those who are joyful. Be sad with those who are sad. When you and I see someone around us who is hurting, that is an opportunity. Don't waste it to relate to someone. And listen, if you're, if you're in that position, if you are that sad person, don't, don't push people out. Let them show up. Let them love on you. That's God's way of reminding you that he sees where you are and he knows what you're going through. And let, let pain become something that allows us to relate to one another, which is actually like, like being like a disciple of Jesus. That's what it means. 
The third thing that you and I can do, that pain can be an opportunity in our lives, is, is we can apply God's Word. In other words, we can let pain transform us to be like Christ. Pain is an opportunity to grow in our character. And when I talk about character, I'm talking about growing in the fruit of the Spirit. You know what the fruit of the Spirit is, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Pain is an opportunity for all of us that, that when we enter into a valley, God can use that to, to change our character so that we become more loving, more joyful, more patient. It's an opportunity for that to unfold. God's number one goal is to transform us to be like Jesus. Listen, if that weren't the case, he'd just take us home, folks. When we come to know Jesus as our Savior, he'd just say, man, work's done. Come to heaven, be with me. That's not what he does. He saves us, and then he leaves us here. And he says, now that you're here, I want to make you like Jesus where you are. I want to make you more loving, more joyful, more patient, more gentle, more faithful. I want you to have more self-control. I want you to be more of these things because that's who Jesus was. And so he's wanting to transform us. And valleys are the opportunity that that happens. You see, to be like Jesus, we have to share in the suffering and the pain that Jesus went through. What kind of pain did Jesus go through? He was lonely. He was misunderstood. He was criticized. He was mistreated. He was tired. He was fatigued. He encountered loss in life. He was tempted. He, he endured all of those things, and so must you and I. And when we encounter those things, many times that is in a valley that we encounter those things. Paul encountered a lot of suffering, a lot of hardship. Look at what he said in 2 Corinthians 4.10. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Isn't that amazing? That for the life of Jesus to be seen in us, for you and I to experience the life of Jesus, we must also endure the sufferings of Jesus. We can't have one without experiencing the other. Here's the secret to being transformed. Hebrews 10.36 is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. It says, you need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. Everybody goes through valleys. Everybody goes through pain, through discomfort. And when we're in the valley, you and I, we must persevere. But notice what happens. That word persevere, it means, it means to hang on. It means to stand firm. It means to endure. But here's, here's what's important. When you and I persevere, what does this verse tell us that happens? When you and I persevere, what happens? We receive or we do the will of God, right? You have need of perseverance so that you may do the will of God. When we have done the will of God, then we receive the promise. 
That's how this unfolds. This is, what is the will of God? The will of God is that you and I would act like Christ. And when we act like Christ, we receive the promise. What is the promise? More love, more joy, more peace, more self-control, more patience, more faithfulness, more gentleness. That's the promise in our character by doing the will of God. He wants to transform us. If we don't persevere, guess what happens? If we don't persevere, we don't do the will of God. And if we don't do the will of God, we don't receive the promise. What does that mean? That means we don't have more love. We don't have more joy. We don't have more peace or patience or kindness. We don't become better people. We become bitter people. That's what happens when we don't persevere. And that's why he's called us to persevere. Paul, the Apostle Paul, is an example of perseverance in doing God's will. Look at what it says in 2 Corinthians. He says, I have been put in prison, been whipped times without number, and faced death again and again. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. I mean, come on. I might have quit after one time of 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and day adrift at sea. I have traveled on many long journeys. I have faced danger from rivers and from robbers. I have faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I have faced danger in the cities, in the deserts, and on the seas. And I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers, but are not. I have worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights. I have been hungry and thirsty, and have often gone without food. I have shivered in the cold, without enough clothing to keep me warm. Then, besides all of this, I have the daily burden of my concern for all the churches. And you thought you were having a bad day. I mean, I know people who, who will serve two weeks in the nursery and walk out and say, never again. I will never handle a dirty diaper like that again in my life. Paul is an example of perseverance. How do you do that? I mean, I know we're laughing, but come on, think about some of the things we just read about. I mean, I, I've been on mission trips where, where people encounter something on a mission trip and they get through it and they come back and they say, never again, I will never go again. Never. I've, I've seen people who, who will share their faith with someone and, it, and it, it, you know what? It, get, it, didn't get, it didn't turn out too great. Maybe it kind of put a strain on that relationship, or maybe they felt rejected, or maybe they felt misunderstood. And you know what they say? I'm never doing that again. I'm not going to do that anymore. How do we persevere when we find ourselves going through something difficult? Paul said it this way. He says, that is why we never give up. Why? Paul, tell us the secret. Why did you never give up? 
though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now, rather we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things that we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. Paul had an eternal focus. And when you and I are in a valley, we must have an eternal focus. We must be able to see beyond the problem that we're going through and our faith, and we persevere. We just persevere because what I'm feeling now, what I'm going through now, will not last forever. Hebrews 12, 2 says it this way, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith because of the joy awaiting him. He endured the cross, disregarding his shame. How did Jesus do it? How did the perfect, sinless Jesus do it? How did he die on the cross and stand there and be spit on and be ridiculed and mocked? How did he do it and not even have a bad thought? towards the people that were doing it to him because he saw beyond it and you and I when we're persevering that's how we persevere how do we persevere to do the will of God so that we can receive the promise we persevere by looking beyond what we're going through and having an eternal focus in God's word if we will apply God's word to our lives, we'll be transformed in a valley. And that opportunity will not be lost. The fourth thing that you and I can gain from pain in our lives is that we can cultivate a ministry. In other words, we can let pain motivate us to serve one another. Our pain can inspire us to help others. I want you to write this down. Some of you are taking notes. If you're not taking notes, take this note. Put it in, put it in your phone, however you take notes. Remember this. Your mess can become a ministry. Your mess can become a ministry if you give it to the Lord. Your mess can become a ministry. God can use your valley to actually give purpose to what you need to be doing in your life. Look at what God's Word says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. For the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. Even when we are weighed down with troubles, it is for your comfort and salvation. For when we ourselves are comforted, we will certainly comfort you. Then you can patiently endure the same things we suffer. Look, folks, this is common sense. Who can help a struggling veteran the best? Well, a veteran who has struggled and has come out the other side because of the comfort they received from Christ. That veteran can sit down with the struggling veteran and help them with the very help that God gave them. And we could go on and on. Who can help 
a, a young uh, married couple who is struggling to have a child? Who's the best people to sit down and help them? Others who have been through that situation. Who can help someone who's battling cancer in their life? Someone who's battled that. And on and on and on it goes. Don't let your valley be wasted. As you move through your valley, God will comfort you. Now let that mess become your ministry. And let God use it to bring hope and salvation to someone else. The fifth thing that we can do when we go through a valley, an opportunity that we have, is we can evangelize. In other words, we can let pain become the door to share Jesus. There's probably nothing that strikes fear in the lives of believers more than the word evangelize. Scares us. Scares us. Let me, can I tell you a secret? Not only does it scare those of us who are saved, it scares those who aren't saved to think that someone's coming to evangelize. We all get scared when we talk about evangelism. But do you know what the word evangelism means? The word means good news. There's nothing to be afraid of in good news. In fact, our world can use some good news. There's nothing bad about it whatsoever. There's nothing to be afraid of. In fact, the highest form of good news many times comes from the pain that we've been through, the pain that we've endured, and we've come out the other side. And to be able to share that with someone, to be able to use that as an opportunity to share Christ. We think the world is impressed with prosperity. Have you ever noticed that? I mean, who are the people that, I mean, that have the most followers on YouTube? Well, it's all the successful people. It's the, I mean, if, if you go to Instagram right now, who has the most followers? Well, it's the prettiest person. It's the most successful person. It's, it's the person out there that, that has succeeded the most. They, they tend to rise to this level of credibility in our world because they succeeded at something. The world looks at prosperity and, and, and success and says, that's credibility. That's who you want to be like. That is not what the Bible says. The Bible says you need to look to the people who have persevered those are the credible people. You see, the world really doesn't care how you and I handle success. They care how we handle adversity. That's what they listen to. I could stand here and tell you of all my degrees. I've got three degrees. Did you know that? Who cares? It's noise. I could stand here and tell you about all the countries I've been to in the world. I was trying to count it up, but to be honest with you, can't remember all of them. I think it's somewhere between 10 and 15. Who cares? It's noise. I could tell you about the people I've met, the people that I, that I get to sit down and talk to at different times. Who cares? It's noise. But if I stand up and tell you about how my marriage struggled and how we got through the other side, if I share with you 
how, how uh, adoption was a valley. If I share with you my regrets, if I share with you the temptations that I struggle with, if I share with you the failures that I've had, well, now all of a sudden everybody's listening. Because it becomes an opportunity to share what Jesus has done and how he makes a difference when we're going through a valley and how he rescues, he saves, he brings peace when I couldn't find it. He gives a second chance when there wasn't a second chance. Now people want to listen. People don't care how you and I handle success. They care how we handle adversity. And that becomes our door to share Jesus. Look at what Paul said in Philippians. He said, And I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here, what was everything? Well, remember all those shipwrecks and beatings? All the hunger and the all the hardships he talked about. He, said, he says that everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. Listen, can you and I say that of our lives? Every one of us sitting here has been through valleys. And can I tell you something? If you're sitting here thinking you haven't been through one, hang on. It's coming. But as we go through those valleys and we come through the other side, can we say, as Paul has said, everything that happened to me has helped spread the good news. You see, it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity. Don't waste it. 2 Corinthians 6, 4 through 8, he said it this way here. He says, in everything we do, we show that we are true ministers of God. We patiently endure troubles and hardships and calamities of every kind. We have been beaten, we've been put in prison, faced angry mobs, worked to exhaustion, endured sleepless nights, and gone without food. We prove ourselves by our purity, our understanding, our patience, our kindness, by the Holy Spirit within us. Do you see what he's saying? As we've gone through these valleys, God has changed our character. And by our sincere love, we faithfully preach the truth. God's power is working in us. We use the weapons of righteousness in the right hand for attack and the left hand for defense. We serve God whether people honor us or despise us, whether they slander us or praise us. Don't let your pain be wasted. Use it as an opportunity to share Jesus. I'm going to pray for us. And when I get through praying, Stephen's going to come. We're going to watch a video together. Someone that I want to introduce to you this morning. But when that video is over, Stephen will come and he will close our service. But let's pray together now. Father, as we enter into this part of our time together, the time where, where we need to respond to you, Lord, we've, we've heard truth this morning from your word. And if we get up and walk out of here as though we haven't heard the truth, as if, as if there's nothing we need to do, 
Oh, Father, forgive us. Forgive us if that is our attitude. But Lord, I don't pray. I, I, I pray that it isn't. I don't think that it is. Lord, I, I think all of us here want to be better people because we, we trusted you. That, that, we, that we want to be people that, that don't waste these opportunities to follow you more closely, to, to worship you more intimately, to love others better, to let your word change us and transform us to, to finding a ministry, a purpose for a valley. Lord, to share with others the wonderful, wonderful good news of Jesus, even though we were in a valley. Lord, I think that's who we want to be. So Lord, by your grace and by your power, would you, would you still speak to us while we're together today? 